And now, ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts. Welcome to PreneurCast. Yeah, business cards being swapped, beers being drunk. Can I say a nasty word? Can I say procrastination? With Pete Williams and Don Gosher. How well did that go down? We'll talk about that entire thing in a very another rant and soapbox episode if you want to. Visit us online at PreneurMarketing.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another PreneurCast show with me, Dom Goucher, and him, Pete Williams. Hello, hello, mate. How are you? I am, I believe, as they say, back on form. Fantastic. You sound a lot better than you awesome. did last week. Awesome. Great. That's it. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty low week that one, mate, for uh, for a number of reasons. But yeah, no, I think I've beat it. Um, all jokes about man flu can stop now. Thank you, everyone. Uh, but uh, folks, just uh, we're on show 151, and uh, I have to say, just up front, it's an absolute corker because we have got Pete talking to Perry Marshall, no less. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Now, Perry, a lot of people might know as kind of uh, an AdWords guy. He sort of wrote the definitive guide to AdWords and was kind of the prominent AdWords advisor and author um, when AdWords sort of was at its initial sort of peak and initial wave. Uh, but he wrote this book this year called 8020 Sales and Marketing. Now, I have to admit, I got a uh, advanced copy of this book uh, probably about 12 months ago. And I went, oh, yeah, okay, AdWords guy, whatever, um, and kind of just put it aside. Uh, and then I can't remember exactly what prompted me to actually pick it up and read it um, I, when I actually got the physical book this year. And I have to say, this book is my book of the year. Uh, it's really surprised me, which is, might be one of the reasons why it is uh, you know, so far up on my list of must-reads for this year. But it's a really interesting book. It takes Richard Kosh's principles from the 80-20 principle, uh, the book that he wrote years ago, and Richard kindly wrote an advance and a forward to my first book, which is really cool. And Perry's taken that and talked about it in the context of sales and marketing. And it's the definitive guide to working less and marketing more. And there is some absolute gold nuggets in this book, which really um, yeah, really hit me across the side of the head that I hadn't really thought about before. And it's, it was really great to be able to get Perry on and sort of talk about those things. And that's what we do in this conversation. Absolutely, man. You know what? Normally, we would talk a little bit more up the front, but Perry does such a fantastic job of, of walking through the key points in this conversation, and you get some great stuff out of him. I just want to dive straight in, and then we'll talk afterwards, okay? Sounds great. All right, folks, seriously, get out of that paper and pencil, or do you know what? When you've listened to this, you're just going to want to order this book. So here's Pete talking to Perry Marshall. Perry, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a uh, pleasure. Um, <laughs> it's an honor to be on your show. I have to say, mate, this this book, the uh, what is it, the eighty twenty sales and marketing, has to be probably one of the most highlighted books in my collection in the last twelve months. I was really surprised with it, to be honest. Wow. Well, good. I yeah. hope. Well, you know, hopefully, don't disappoint, right? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, see, this is the thing: is Mike Rhodes, who's obviously a, a good mutual friend of ours, um, gave me a copy of this book when it first came out, and I'm like, "Yep, cool, put it on the shelf," and kind of forgot about it until mm. I'm not quite sure what triggered me to pick it back up again recently, but I picked it up and started reading it and it was really impressive. So I want to cover sort of four or five key things that I kind of, you know, highlighted the most <laughs> in the book, if you don't mind. Oh, yes. Well, fire away. I can't wait to, you know, see what we're going to talk about today. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think, you know, for a lot of people, hopefully they've read um, Richard Kosh's eighty twenty principle book. I think it's a fantastic book. But for those who don't kind of understand the basic concept of eighty twenty, can you kind of give a, a bit of an intro? 
Well, yeah, and I just have to preface this by saying most people think they understand 80-20, and they just really don't. I thought I understood 80-20 15 years ago. I was a sales rep, and I read about it somewhere, and I printed out a sales report. And, like, I got on my calculator and started going through it. I'm like, wow, yeah, you know, I guess I, I got 20% down the list, sorted from top to bottom, and there you go. That is 80% of the money. <laughs> what do you know? And, like, that's, and like, well, okay, that's interesting. And I just went on. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I did understand, of course, that that meant that I needed to spend extra time with my biggest accounts. Well, you know, every sales guy already knows that. <laughs> you know, now it, I also realized that um, there were some like time wasters uh, that like didn't really buy very much stuff and they would chew up this time and they would complain about stuff. And I didn't quite have the balls to get rid of them or just tell them (laughs) to go, uh, you know, you know, buy it from the competitor or like I was too nice. Like there was this one guy named Dimitri and he would just like always, he would just call and he would nitpick about the, he'd buy like three units a year, which was nothing, you know, and I never had the guts to say, you know what? I don't, want to keep servicing you as a client anymore. Um, you guys, I, I'm really sorry, but you you take more technical support time and more of this and more of that than what we can afford to do. And you don't really seem happy with our products. So I, I'm just not going to take your purchase orders anymore. And like, seriously, some people need to do that. So I did realize when I learned about 80-20 that I should do that. But I didn't. And then, like, that's it. Yeah. Okay, and that's it. And and I think that's about as much of 80-20 as most people understand. Mm. Well, there is so much more. So much more. And 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 when I when I read Richard Koch's book, The 80-20 Principle, a classic book, uh, about 15 years old now, uh, which I think everybody should read. It's like in my top 10 business books ever. Um I read that and it set my mind on fire, but I need to explain why it set, why, okay? I actually, he made this little throwaway comment, um, and you'll have to forgive me if this sounds a little geeky, but he made this comment. He said, why is 80-20 true? He said, it's 80-20 true because of chaos theory and fractals. Now, that's a weird thing to say, and it wouldn't mean much to most people, but I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Ooh, ooh, that's a rabbit hole. Okay, and and here's what he actually meant. Here's what it meant. It meant inside every 80-20, there's another one. Mm. And there's an 80-20 inside of that one, and there's an 80-20 inside of that one. And if you study certain things in science, um, you'll, you'll see that th- the whole world runs this way and it has this pattern. It's sort of like, it's sort of like um, every, there's a million snowflakes and they all have six sides, but they're all different. But the point is they all have six sides and in a sense, they're all the same, okay? It's it, like as an efficiency or it's like, um, how long is the coast of California? Well, as the flow cries, flies, maybe it's like 1,500 miles. But if you actually like walked it, it might be like, you know, all the little squiggles. Yeah. You know, it might be like 5,000 miles. And, you know, if, a, if an ant walked it, it might be like 
50,000 miles. Mm. Like there, there isn't actually an answer to how long is the coast of California. It's actually almost infinite. And what I realized was that business is like that too. Pricing is like that. And like, and I'm, I'm an engineer and I was like, it, it snapped in my mind. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's actually this whole mathematical thing here. And, and that was 11 years ago. And what has happened in the last 10 years between when I had that realization and when I finally wrote the book was I, I sorted it out. I figured it out. I dramatically simplified it. I figured out stories to use to tell it. And so when you read this book, there's really kind of two kinds of people that are going to read this book. There's, I think, probably the typical person who they could pick it up and by chapter three, they've already found some really great stories and some really big uh, uh, illustrations like, wow, I never thought of that. I can make money immediately. I could get rid of like these three pain in the ass customers and Perry just gave me get permission or whatever. Like there's any, or maybe I can save my, save some time by doing this or that. And they could just like apply it and get a benefit. But there's another kind of person that is going to be like, oh my goodness, this is like the E equals MC squared of marketing. This is like, Oh my word, I see this everywhere. I could apply this to everything. And then they'll like, they'll geek out about it for the next year. And I think this is what happened to you. And it's exactly what I like hope and pray would happen when people read this book. Because if you like really get it, it's Zen like. Oh, mate, being a son of a math teacher, there was definitely a fit there for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled that that's what you got out of it because, because there really is something there. That, that I think, you know, that can help you. So, so let's try our best not to really geek out because I'm sure you and I right. could go pretty crazy and pretty deep with this. But one of the things you mentioned there was about like this infinite loop type process. And this is something that I think, as you pointed out, not a lot of people like really get. They might sort of have read, read it before and kind of gone, oh, yeah, that's true. But don't really think of how they can actually apply it because one of the things um, that you talk about is that obviously, you know, the basic 80-20 is – 80% of your results come from 20% of the inputs, whether it's clients or effort or whatever it might be, whatever you're analyzing. But then uh-huh. in that top 20%, 80-20 applies again. So uh-huh. if you actually mathematically roll it out, it's, what is it, um, 64% of your results come from 4% of the effort. Yep. And then it's 52% of the results, if we go the next level down, comes from 0.8% of your inputs. So yes. half of your output, half of the work you produce, half of the marketing you're doing, half of the clients who spend money with you, half of the revenue you're coming in comes from only less than 1% of the input, which is just an amazing thing when you think about it. If you can really see how you can apply that, that can make a huge shift in your productivity and obviously the bottom line of your business. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I've stood at seminars in front of hundreds of people and I've said, how many of you are essentially on straight commission?" And like, you know, all these people raise their hand and I say, I want you to ask yourself a question. Isn't it true that last year, when you get right down to it, half your income came from three days of work? Mm. And they sit there and they think about it and like, yep, yep. It actually took three days of actually landing those deals and, you know, wrestling to the ground and giving the customer what they exactly wanted. And yeah, that was about half my income, 
you know, and then like, yeah, and uh, at least like four months of your year was basically filler, <laughs> right? And yep. well, as soon as you really realize that that is true, you see what what always happens is when you take energy and effort and money away from the filler and you pour the gas on that 1%, that 1% always starts to multiply. And that's, so it's like, it's like, it's almost like, okay, if you go from as the crow flies to walking the coast of California to being it, like getting all, you know, it's like, well, it goes from being 1,500 miles to 50,000 miles. And the same thing happens when, when you take that like super leveraged thing, you know, the super hot, hyper responsive customer and you're selling them exactly what you want and what they want. And then you, you focus that even more, then you get this explosive results mm. in okay. your business. Yeah. So I was going to say, I think the hard part though, or the misinterpretation, or more importantly, love your thoughts on this, is okay. I've worked three days last year to make half my income. The, the first question people ask is, well, how do I, you know, just work another three days and make the same income? So I just work uh-huh. six. Like, so how does someone actually start to get towards that outcome? Because to a certain extent, you have to do the foraging and all the other stuff to find those three days that actually work. It's, but how do you get as close to that as possible? Well, the the first thing you do is you understand that, like, if if you usually, if you try to just leap to, okay, well, I'm going to do this 1% twice, <laughs> that's, sometimes you can, okay, um, and really, you, you can sometimes, and I think that, um, that, a lot of people they don't they don't make that phone call or they don't go for that super one percent because their inner head trash just won't let them. Hmm. Okay, but that's not always the case. Sometimes you just need to start at the other end and you go, well, you know, I don't know that I can double this top twenty percent, but I can I can prune the bottom twenty percent. Hmm. Okay, I I can just decide. You know what? I really do need to get rid of this bottom five or ten percent of my clients, and I need to stop serving them because we are not making money. In fact, um, there there are several books and authors and people. uh, In fact, I can think of three in the last year who have all, uh, you know, in totally different ways, shown me that twenty percent of your business makes you one hundred and twenty percent of your profit. And the other 80% of your business loses 20%. Wow. Okay. In fact, like if you do a, a cost analysis, which probably requires your bookkeepers and accountants and everybody to work overtime for a while, but at like if you really break it down, most companies will find um, that a, a large bottom chunk of their business they are literally taping dollar bills to every shipment that goes out the door and they don't know it yeah and it's almost always true yeah i'd absolutely agree with that we've done some analysis uh, in our telco company and found that there is that you know essential clients who you know for many reasons end up costing you more to 
keep your promises than it did in actual profit coming in the door. And it absolutely applies. Right. And so there is always a simplification. And um, also, people are chronically addicted to activity. And yeah. they cannot imagine just like not doing anything. And what, one of the disciplines that I've been developing in my life really for several years is, is I have space of not doing anything. Like I take Sundays completely off. I don't check my email. I spend time with my family. I go to church. I, you know, I, I, I take a nap. I, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, not everybody does that. Uh, in fact, most people don't. Um, you know, they're like on all the time and they're worn out. Okay. So that's one thing. And then also, most people just default to reacting to whatever gets put in front of them. So most people will sit down, they'll come to work and they'll sit down in their chair. And the first thing they will do is they will check their email. Yeah. Okay. Now, I. I we I cold turkeyed myself off of that. I do not do email until eleven, and I do it with my personal assistant, and she goes through the email, and then she reviews it with me verbally. Uh, and many times, I'm not in my email box physically at all. And I've done now. Everybody's got, by the way. <sighs> Okay, 80, 20, let's talk about 80, 20 year time. If you have eight hours a day, 80, 20 says that two thirds of your productivity is going to happen in two of those hours. Mm -hmm. And the other one third is going to happen in the other six. And that is a fact. Um, I can't cite the exact studies, I, uh, at least off the top of my head, but I mean, people have studied it's really true. Yeah, Most absolutely. people get two or three hours of quality work done every day, and the rest of the day is filler. Okay, well, what I do with my best two or three hours of the day is I do important, strategic. I plan it. I plan my day, and I do what I call $1,000 an hour or $10,000 an hour work. And, you know, there's like four kinds of work. There's $10 an hour work. There's $100 an hour work. There's $1,000 an hour work. There's $10,000 hour work. And, mm. and on page um, 119 of, my, of 8020 Sales and Marketing, I actually give examples of four marketers. Here's what these things usually are. Mm -hmm. Okay. You should be doing $1,000 or $10,000 an hour work at least an hour a day or at least doing your very best to focus on those things. And it is amazing how much stuff is just filler. And you don't need to do it. I, just, I, I had a podcast interview earlier today with a guy, and he, he told me this great story. He goes, I had twins. <laughs> and it turned my life upside down. And he goes, it forced me. Like, I can't sit and, like, read somebody's blog post and pretend I'm working. There is no way. Like, he goes, I am, like, dealing with these three little kids, and it's crazy, and, like, I have to make my life work. He goes, it is amazing what you cut out when you really have to. And so, and so you, you what you actually have to do is you have to start at that 
bad end of the equation and just stop and say, okay, I am stopping at five. I am stopping at four. I am stopping at 3.30 and I am going to go do something fun. And you know what? The fun thing fuels the creativity and the resourcefulness and the imagination. I mean, how many times have you gotten like a great idea when you were at a movie or a rock concert or you're, you're playing with your kids in the park or you're skiing or like whatever you're into? Like that's actually when your best ideas show up. It's not when you got your nose to the grindstone and you're punishing yourself. Like that does not make you more productive. No, I completely agree. It's just kind of hard to pull your notepad out and tell your son to sit on the swing for two minutes while you, you note down that great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stand behind him there where he can't see you, and then you pull the notepad One hand, out. Yep. But and he, I carry a notepad. Yep. By the, you know, it's uh, one of these David Allen wallets. It's got mm-hmm. the piece of paper in it. It's awesome. good. So. Well, you know, I think this is you know, the beautiful thing that I you know, got reinvigorated by reading your book, 8020 Sales and Marketing, is just the evidence-based theories because like people hear this all the time. Don't check your email till eleven o'clock and be productive. And it's it sort of becomes that sort of rhetoric that people kind of ignore because they just think everyone says it but no one does it. But by reading things like this, it really refocuses me and hopefully everyone else who reads the book to say, okay, there's evidence behind this to actually really reinforce you to actually do that habit and put those positive constraints in place to actually yeah. get that outcome. And maybe that positive constraint is having twins. Maybe it's just uh, something else you can force in your life that uh, you know pushes you in the direction you need to go. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things that you sort of cover off uh, in the book as well, which again was just a brilliant way to actually articulate it, was this conversation about traffic and billboards. And rather than me kind of you know just re-summarize what you wrote, I'd love you to kind of share that story about the, the traffic analogy of how the A20 approaches and appeals and relates to that, but then more importantly, how that actually affects choosing your marketing. So I think a lot of people would rather than go a billboard, they would choose to do a whole bunch of direct mail or a whole bunch of smaller billboards or something like that. And it was a really good take on that uh, in the book. Well, so, you know, if if you put a billboard on the expressway, then that's being seen by 100% of the drivers and, of course, everybody likes that, like, we're getting exposure and we're getting branding and all this kind of stuff. But 80-20 tells you that at best, I mean at best, only 20% of the people driving by find it relevant. And more likely, it's like, well, it's only 20% of the 20% or 20% of the 20% of the 20%. It might only be 1% or a half of a percent or less um, where that's actually relevant. And so, um, you know, if you're going to spend marketing money, you need to rifle shot as much as humanly possible, like make a, at least a very educated guess as to, well, these are the people that are actually going to be interested in this. Like, you know, if you're at, if you got a billboard about, you know, we'll, we'll keep your basement from flooding well, you don't want to show that to apartment dwellers because they're not ever <laughs> going to give you money, right? You know, and and um, and th- this is always true. And um, and one one of the stories, I think my favorite story in the book is uh, my friend John Mendocha, who um, 
when he was 17 years old, he dropped out of high school as a senior. He hitchhiked to Las Vegas and he became a professional gambler. And like, hey, look at me. And after a few weeks of this, he's like, wow, this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and he decides to go find himself a mentor. So he finds this guy who runs a gambling ring and his name is Rob. And like, hey, you know, and so they shake on. All right, John, you're on. So, you know, as soon as they have their deal, um, John's like, so how do I win more poker games? Jump in the Jeep, John. We're going for a ride. So they're they're going down the down the road and 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 he says to John, he goes, Okay, so here's how you win at poker. He goes, You play games where you're gonna win. And that means playing people who are gonna lose. And those people are called marks. And John goes, so how do I know who's the marks? And he goes, here, I'll show you. And they pull into a parking lot and they walk into a strip club. And they go in a strip club and there's women and music and booze and everything. And, you know, it's a hundred decibels of rock music. And they sit down and Rob pulls a sawed off shotgun out of his jacket and he puts it under the table and he goes, like opens the chamber and he racks it. And then like a few people look around, like, what was that? And the club owner comes over and he goes, Hey, everything. Okay. Here guys, everything's just fine. Just teaching the lad a lesson. Okay. And then he says to John, he goes, John, did you see those people who turned around when they heard that noise? And John goes, yeah. And he goes, don't play poker with them. They're not marks. <laughs> okay, now, that is exactly what marketing is. Mm. That is exactly what 80-20 marketing is. 80-20 marketing is racking the shotgun and seeing who turns their head and who doesn't. And maybe you're supposed to sell the people that did, or maybe you're supposed to sell the people that didn't. Well, whatever it is, you got to narrow them down before you talk to anybody. Okay? You do something simple, something easy. They turn their head. All right. I already narrowed it down. Okay? And everything you do in marketing is racking the shotgun. Uh, you... You you put up a pay-per-click ad for Google, and some people search for it, and some people don't. Rack the shotgun. Some people click on it. Some people don't. Rack the shotgun. Some people fill in their name at the forum on your website, and some people don't. Some people buy. Some people don't. Some people buy something else. Some people don't. It's all racking the shotgun. And you got to understand, marketing is not convincing everybody to do business with you. Marketing is eliminating all the people that shouldn't do business with you before you even try. Hmm. Marketing is racking the shotgun. It, it's an elimination game, just like the sawed-off shotgun at the strip club. It's like, okay, so it's eliminate everybody that we don't want to play poker with before we go talk to everybody else. Right, And what he just did was he increased his chance of winning dramatically mm. with, you know, in two seconds. 
okay? And you must do that now, especially now, okay? Like, marketing is so much more, it is exponentially more sophisticated than it was, you know, even five years ago, let alone 10 or 20, okay? Like, you have to do this now. And if you do, your life gets so much easier, Absolutely. And I think, you know, emails almost caused a bit of a false economy when it comes to direct response marketing and that kind of principle in that because it's, you know, quote unquote cheap or free to send emails and have this huge email database, you know, people's goals are skewed. They they want to have this huge list, you know, if I have 100,000 people on my newsletter list or 20,000 or whatever's huge in your particular niche, like that's Mm -hmm. that's the aim. And it's like, well, hang on, you know, you don't want everyone in your funnel, you want to have those people who have responded to the racked shotgun. Right. And the first thing you do with an email list is you rack the shotgun again and you sort them out again. Mm. And and if if you get on my email list, any way you do it, you'll see me doing this all the time. Okay. You know, like, well, you know, if you're interested in this, you know, click here and go or, you know, or if you uh, so, sometimes it's even you know, we're selling this thing and it costs, well, at least four figures. And, you know, if you want an introductory, uh, you know, highly educational webinar on this, you can register for 50 bucks and we'll tell you all about it. Yes, we will be pitching on the webinar. And, you know, and so like, instead of getting 300 people on the webinar, we might get 40, but they paid to be on. And they want to hear about it, and we know exactly who they are, and they all show up. And guess what? The other 260 who weren't going to buy anything were not even wasting their time with it, and they don't even know what they're doing. And we may not want them to know what we're doing, you know. And so you, you start becoming very selective and making sure that, that everything you do is tailored to the exact people who are going to hear it. And it dramatically increases your traction mm. with whoever you are selling to. Well, it just comes back to that Pareto or the 80-20 principle again that, you know, only 20% of your email database are ever going to buy from you. So it's that same sort of right. thing about culling people who never click through and who never actually open your emails. Just get rid of them and just get rid of that clutter from your life. Yes, and, and I'll give you a prime example to just put really put this in perspective. So when we came out with our Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, which was three years ago, well... In the last year and a half, Facebook has seriously gotten their act together. <laughs> yep. Three years ago, they did not have their act together. They were like Keystone cops, okay? And they were like tripping all over, and it was just horrible, <laughs> okay? And so basically, then, when the book came out, it was like, well, Facebook is great for like 10% of the people out there, maybe 15. It's bad for everybody else. And we want to get rid of all those other people, even like before they buy their book, before they do anything. And so, because otherwise, what will happen is this book will come out, we'll get like all these two-star Amazon reviews, and they'll be all disappointed, and I hate that. And so, we made this thing, this website, isfbforme.com, which stands for Is Facebook For Me. Mm -hmm. And you go there, and you ask 
answer 10 questions in 60 seconds and you click a button and it'll just tell you, it'll give you a score, you know, a three, a five, a seven, a nine, a scale of one to 10. And basically we said, you know, if you get less than a six or seven, don't even bother, right? And we engineered the thing to push most people away. Awesome. Okay. And, and that is the only reason why we have five stars on our Facebook book. Well, now we're coming out with a second edition, and we've uh, we've adjusted the formula on the form, and it doesn't push people away as much as it did. It still pushes some people away, but you understand that is a like actual in the trenches example of racking the shotgun. Who do I not want to even try to become a customer? Because frankly, I can't do a good job for him anyway. Who do I push away? You know, if, if I got a bunch of people, they're getting threes and fours, and I say, you got a three, forget it, go do something else, here's some suggestions of what else you could do, have a nice day, or maybe, you know, you could come buy this other thing for me, but don't buy that. That serves people so much better. Absolutely. I think you, you serve people when you disqualify them. Um, you don't do any favors by sugarcoating or pretending like, oh, yeah, we're for everybody, and you're really not... So I just encourage like everybody start thinking this way and your life gets so much easier <laughs> and your customers are so much happier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but one of the things speaking of, you know, from a sales perspective, as you sort of just alluded to them, one of the really cool things um, in the book is access to an online calculator, which um, is really cool because you've sort of done a lot mm. of analysis or, or back analysis for people to make the math Really, really simple. And one of the big things that kind of, again, was reinforced for me in in the chapters where you talk about this was how you can now mathematically justify the upsells in a sales funnel or a checkout process. Because I think there's been a lot of talk, particularly in the internet marketing community over the last sort of 18 months or so, like sales funnels is, is the new the new thing, it's the it thing to do is have the sales funnel where you, you know you get them in with a low tripwire type product and you upsell them to something else and you upsell them to the next thing and you upsell them to the next thing. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people um, are somewhat reluctant to sort of put that kind of sales funnel in place because they feel like you know continually upselling is not the right thing to do, it's a bit sleazy, whatever you know connotations they have with that, I yep. found can be really quickly eliminated just with the mathematics of this 80-20 principle and the 80-20 curve. Um, yes, yes. And, and, and that is such a good, um, example. So let's, um, I I would contend that the reason that GoDaddy is the 800 pound gorilla of domain names and that they're way bigger than like all these other people is essentially for one reason. People probably think it's because they have Super Bowl commercials or something. No, (laughs) It's because they have more aggressive upsells than anybody else, and they do it really well. Mm-hmm. And that is why they have Super Bowl commercials. It's why they can afford to have Super Bowl commercials. And so let's use that as an example, okay? So here's what let's do. Go to 8020curve.com. You can do it right now, uh, you know, if people are listening. And at the top left, it says, describe your audience, and it says, rack the shotgun. And so, um, there's three blanks that you can fill in. So, 
total number of members, I want you to enter 100. So in other words, we, ha- we had 100 customers come through. Okay. And how many responded? That's 100 again. Okay. In other words, 100% of the people that we're talking about bought something. Um, we could, we could use a different number, but we're just going to say 100 and 100. Okay. What was the value of the output? I'm going to say 10. In other words, I asked 100 people to register a domain name and they all bought one and I go calculate other members. Okay. And what it's going to do is it's going to draw you a little graph and you'll see this little pink area at the bottom. And it says, okay, I got 10 bucks from 100 people. So that's a thousand bucks. Okay. So are you, uh, are you doing that, by the way, I Pete, have it in right, front now? Of you right now? Okay. So you can see that? Yep. Right? Absolutely. So now what I want you to do is I just want you to mouse over the other um, bars. Yep. Now, what it tells you, if you mouse over the top person over on the right side, because mm-hmm. this the, the 80-20, if you put 80-20 on a graph and you line up uh, customers, let's say, from, from bottom to top, left to right, um, and you graph how much money they're willing to spend with you, 80-20 is this like hockey stick curve. Mm-hmm. Okay, and at the top of the hockey stick, it says customer number one out of if a hundred people would give you ten bucks a piece, the most hungry, eager, affluent customer would spend five hundred and twenty eight dollars with you, yep, to scratch the itch, and then you can mouse over to the next one. And the and the number two it says they'd spend two hundred ninety, and number three it says they would spend two hundred and five. Okay, what does that mean? What that means is, out of a hundred people, GoDaddy can and will get five hundred and twenty eight dollars from one of those people if they have enough other goodies to sell them, mm. and they'll get. You know, 300, 290 bucks from somebody else. And, and we can actually, uh, we can go to the bottom and we can say, well, you know, lowest ranking, highest ranking, what's the total? And it will actually tell us, um, you know, we only got a thousand dollars from those hundred people, but those hundred people, if we satisfied all of their appetites, they would give us $3,700. Hmm. So that means a domain name company that just like sells you the domain name you came for and doesn't annoy you by offering you anything else, they'll get 1000 bucks, but GoDaddy will get 3700 And if, if GoDaddy gets 3.7 times as much money from every sale, now... Sorry if this like blows anybody's circuits, but your market share is going to be proportionate to how Absolutely. much you sell squared. Mm. And I don't have time to explain why. <laughs> okay. That's like gets into that probably gets over people's head. But just trust me, it's like 
marketing, analytical, engineer, done this for 15 years, taught Google AdWords to thousands of people. GoDaddy's market share will be 15 to 20 times larger than the guy that only sells the domain name and nothing else. Yeah. Okay. And like I guarantee you can write it in blood. In fact, probably even bigger than that. And if you, if you were to go like analyze the thing to death and, and, uh, you know, buy or buy some Forrester $5,000 market research report where they tell you how everybody stacks up, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna bear it out. Mm -hmm. And so it's extremely important that you, um, satisfy especially the most affluent, hungriest, most eager customers. This is why, and this is another chapter in the book, this is why Starbucks sells $2,700 espresso machines. Mm. Okay. When, you know, most people are buying like a $5 latte and like, wow, that's a lot of money. No, 2700 bucks for an espresso machine. That's a lot of money. Okay. And, <laughs> and it's like a law of physics in the 80-20 book. I show you like you can figure out how many people are going to buy one of those things. It's like, well, you know, if I got 2,000 espressos, you're going to sell one of those espresso machines, and it's almost like a law of physics because the people have the money, they have the itch. And the beauty is you don't have to go find more customers to do this. And mm -hmm. 8020 is about doing more with less. Yep. You don't need a bunch of new customers. You need to do a better job of selling ones you got. And that was the beautiful thing is that, you know, it's, you can get this revenue out of clients you already have. It's not about going out and trying to build your funnel, build your list, build your traffic. It's about how do I apply this to what I'm already doing to get that exponential growth. Yes. And I actually uh, prepared a little bit of a cake earlier. I did some homework beforehand. Just as an okay. example of how this actually applies it in a, in a very similar context, which is really cool. So let's say you have a email subscriber base of 5,000 subscribers. Uh, and then based on using the 80-20 curve, we've done an example of a promotion where you're selling $200 uh, products. It might be a, a, a physical product, a service, an ebook, whatever it is. You 5,000 subscribers, you do a promotion for a $200 product, and you get a 3% response rate. So that uh -huh. generates 150 sales for the business and 30 grand in revenue. And that's sort of where most people leave it off. They do their marketing campaign, they do their product launch, whatever it might be to mm -hmm. drive those 5,000 subscribers to buy the $200 product. But based on the mathematics of the 80-20 curve that the you know, a20curve.com does and you give heaps of other examples in the books that talk about how this is, you know, proven in, in different areas. It's not just, you know, a made-up formula. There's that's proof in population and wealth and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Based on that, if you had a $1,000 product, so you're doing an upsell for $1,000 in that sales funnel, 18 people of the 150 buyers would have bought that $1,000 product. Yep. And if you had a $5,000 premium product offering as part of the suite, two of those 150 buyers would have bought the $5,000 product. Yes. So by simply having those two upsells in your cart, you would have effectively doubled the profit of that particular campaign by getting no more traffic, just selling to the people who buy that $200 front-end product. And that mathematically was really cool for me to actually see there's a mathematical formula behind this and you can predict it 
and you can then have confidence to go, I'm going to do this because mathematically I am unquestionably leaving money on the table. It's not a hope they might buy kind of thing. It's a mathematically they are willing to spend that sort of money. Yes, and to even take that a step further, it also says if it said you would sell 18 of those $1,000 products and you only sell nine, it, it means it's not a problem with your audience. It's a problem with either your offer or the copy or the conversion that you used to present the offer. Mm. Okay. It's, it's like, no, I guarantee you these people have the money. I guarantee it's a law of physics that if you put the right thing in front of them, they would part with it. The only, so you can actually judge your offers against each other. If you can go, well, you know, we got these five things and we offered them all to my email list. You can, you can benchmark them all against each other. You go, well, this is, this one is doing the best and this one is clearly way underperforming what it should. So we need to take that one and put it in the shop and we need to fix it up and we need to roll it back out because, because when we get that offer right, we're going to sell 18. Mm. Cause that's the thing is, this is the, the cool thing that hopefully people really get from what you just said then is this A20 curve and this, the physical, well, not physical, the physics of this is that Two people have the willingness, ability, propensity to spend that $5,000 on that high-end product. It doesn't mean they're guaranteed to do it. You have to have the right offer presented in the right way. But the thing is you have the audience there of people who are willing and have the ability to spend that money if you can communicate to them properly. Exactly. Exactly. That The appetite is there. And so that's what I mean. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through this. I'm like, man, I'm just beating my head against the wall. I run the numbers of like, no, there is a way through that wall. I guarantee you they do have the money um, and and they're going to spend it. They're going to spend it somewhere. They're going to spend it with somebody. Um, and, and so this actually brings us to the, the principle of the hyper responsive customer, which is that your very best customers have an ability to consume that exceeds your ability to supply. <laughs> very interesting concept to sort of think about because it's very different to what most people think when they think about their customer base. Right, right. It's like, well, yeah, I know I know you've been flogging those like bottom 10,000 people on your email list trying to get them to buy something. But hey, wait a minute. I guarantee you that like 3% of these people like they want more than you could ever even come up with. So what do they want? Yeah. So how do you find that? That's surveys. It's, you know, asking. Well, that's that's why there's a chapter called 80-20 market research. Mm. Um, and uh, there's even an 80-20 story behind that, okay, which is um, like, so this it gets zen like so i get this friend glenn livingston and glenn and i we we go back like 10 years and he's a he's an absolute genius he has a phd in psychology and and like i could go on and on about this guy but he's like super analytical and like 10 years ago he came up with this formula for market research it was like well you know you you ask these you know 47 questions and you cross tabulate this data and you do all this stuff and it was like and you hire you you hire a grad student to be an intern, like literally 
this was like the process. And his method was like 90 to 95% accurate. Like if you, if you went through all of his steps, then when you launched the product, it, it would 90% chance you would make money with it. And he proved it. Okay. And in fact, he sold this for a while and he put it in a big system and binders and CDs. And one day I said to him, Glenn, Glenn, 8020 tells me that I should be able to get 50% of the accuracy of your survey, of your market research method with 1% of the effort. Mm. So what is it? And he's like, oh, well, you're probably right, Perry. Let me go think about it. So he goes and think, comes back and he's like, okay, here it is. Well, that's the chapter in my book. And okay, it's not 90% accurate. It's 50% accurate. If you take that chapter and the, ch- the name of the chapter is called 8020 market research in a single afternoon. Okay. Yeah. If you sit down for three hours and you do, and there's a little survey it gives you, like you could email it to your peeps or whatever. If you do that, odds are 50, 50 that when you roll out that offer, that it really will hit pay dirt and it will be what your people really wanted and what they wanted to pay their money for. And it really works. And if you want to go deeper, you can go on the site, you can get more stuff. But I mean, it's in there. You know, so it's like the 80, the 20% of like what you got to ask everybody to get to 80% of what they want. And, you know, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So the book, 8020 Sales and Marketing. Perry, one final question for you. What's the one question I haven't asked you that I should have? Um, how could people get a super bargain on this book? <laughs> nice. I like that. Good salesman. I like it. You have, you have an amazing offer on, on how people can get a copy of the book. I do. And the reason I do that offer, there's an 8020 reason, I'll, and I'll explain it, because um, I totally like just eat, uh, eat my own dog food on this. Um, so if you go to Amazon, it's like 17 USD plus shipping. And if you're in a foreign country, it's whatever it is. And a bookstore, it's 25. On my website, I sell it for a penny plus shipping. And so in the U.S., it's going to cost you seven bucks. And in outside the U.S., it costs you 14. And so we sell this book for cheap and we buy them from the publisher. And literally, we are taping dollar bills <laughs> to this book. Okay. But here, here's why we do it. The reason we do it is because we put people in an upsell sequence and we start racking the shotgun. Mm. Okay. Now I'll give you an interesting statistic, actual numbers, 78.4% of people who buy that book only spend $7 mm-hmm. and we lose money on it. 21.6% of the people and you no, know, you know, do these numbers sound at all familiar? I just 21.4% of the buyers buy more stuff from us and they become good customers. Mm. And I have figured out that by doing this, I get a bunch of great customers. We had a guy 
by the book the other day and he called up and he booked us for $50,000 of consulting. That happens every once in a while. So go to our website, buy the book for $7. And when you get presented with the other stuff, do what you will. Okay. If you think it's interesting, great. If you don't, but whatever you do, study what is going on because it is very calculated. Okay. Study what I do. See what happens next and watch me rack the shotgun and watch me over time. Do you like this? Yes, no. Do you like this? Yes, no. Interested in this? Yes, no. And, and, and watch as my marketing machine tunes itself to start selling you exactly what you're interested in and not selling you all this other stuff that you don't want. Awesome. So where can people go? What's the URL? Oh, where do they go? <laughs> go to sell8020.com and it'll take you right to the offer and you can just buy it and, and we'll ship you the book. So that's sell8020.com. That's right. Perry, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Pete, I want to give you some appreciation for like really getting it. You know, sometimes <laughs> I do interviews and the guy's like... It's just like this generic sort of oatmeal questions. Like, I can't even tell if he has any idea who I am. <laughs> uh, you clearly did your homework and you read the book and you get this and you, you had your example with, uh, you know, the 18 people. And it was really great. I really appreciate you putting your head and your heart into it. Um, so. Well, look, I care about the audience. You know, three years in, I know what they love and I do my homework. And I was a buyer of your AdWords course. 10 years ago, I reckon, would have been wow. when we started our telco company. And we built that telco company. It's the la one of the largest in Australia, multi-million dollar business based off AdWords 10 years ago. So I have to thank you there as well. Wow. Uh, and also Mike Rhodes, who I mentioned earlier, who's, uh, I know, part of your inner circle and uh, sublet some space from us for quite a few years. So Oh, no, well, no Mike's a stud and he's our resident AdWords expert. Yeah, like, he's seriously. Yeah. I mean, he knows more about AdWords than me now. I mean, he's like... He is the guy. So um, I we love him. Mike is great. So, you know, go look up Mike Rhodes. And if you need AdWords management, you know, go talk to Web Savvy and they'll take good care of you. Absolutely. Awesome, man. All right. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. One thing I want to touch on um, is a question that I actually asked Perry early in the interview, which he kind of missed where I was trying to point him and where I wanted him to go down. Because one of the questions I talk about is about putting billboards uh, up on streets and trying to get attention. And in the book, what he talks about is the whole 80-20 principle applying here in that you are much better off putting one billboard up on a main thoroughfare than putting 18 billboards up around the rest of your area, your location, your your you know, distribution area, whatever it might be. And it's just really interesting to sort of think like that because traditionally you think, okay, if I get the billboard up in 18 different locations around the, around the place, I'm going to get a wider spread and a wider audience. But when you think about the 80-20 principle and how it applies, you are much better off taking all that money and investing it in one place and one major billboard because that, that major road is going to get 80% of the traffic going through it at some stage. So you're going to pick up all those other people. That was kind of where I was trying to get Perry to head with that particular question in our conversation. And obviously, he goes into it in a lot more depth in the book. But I thought I'd come back and just quickly touch on that part of our conversation. So it was really important. It was one of the 
real distinctions for me uh, when I read that part of the book. Cool. I'm glad you pointed that out, Pete, because I did. I did think that that he didn't, as you say, reflect what was in the book. Um, I'd say just before we go in any more in, in depth about this, there's a little bit of a dispute on this on this book, folks, because um, technically Pete had it first, but I read it first, <laughs> which which has to be a first. Very very rarely, folks, is it me that goes, "Yep, read that one." When Pete comes up to me with, and Pete really did, honestly, like out of the blue one day, Pete said, Dom, 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 you really have to read this. I mean, seriously, this is Pete. You know how much he reads and listens to? Good impersonation, So that's man. how, yeah, it was, he was big, big on this. And I actually got to go, yep, yeah, read it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really, I think Perry did such an excellent job of really highlighting some of the, the big things in this book. But Please, folks, there is so much more in there. Um, the things that stood out, it was interesting, actually, how he picked out the things that I really resonated with as well as you did, Pete. You know, I, I really, really did resonate, and I use quite a lot now, the story of the racking the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of, of just identifying the active part of your marketplace and then doing it again and doing it again, uh, which leads on to the other thing, which is that, that idea uh, he said right at the start, um, found myself nodding along both when I was reading the book and when he was saying it again in, in, in the conversation about, you know, the 80-20 rule is not something that you just apply once and go, got that. You just keep applying it and keep applying it. He actually in the book calls it, a, is it a power law in the book? If power I remember rightly. Like, yes. Yep. I'm yeah, he talks correct. about it as like a power law. Um, so, and, and yeah, absolutely. It really just... It, it's one of those perspective things. It really is. It, it, as he said, you know, he really hopes that people see it that way. I really hope that the, the listeners to the show read this and that they get what we got from it because it definitely changed the way that I look at things, the way that I apply my time. And again, he talks – the guy could the guy could be part of the Preneurcast community already, really, couldn't he? Talking about things like applying your your effort effectively, working on core versus mechanics. All those things came up in that conversation. It was great. Mm, absolutely. That was a really good conversation. I, I really appreciate Perry's time. He was very open about some stuff. And uh, yeah, definitely check out the book. And as, as Perry says, head out to his website because you can get the book for one penny and just pay shipping. Yes, there's some upsells, which you can take, which he clearly knows the numbers on based on the 80-20 principle, but you know you can get the book for a penny and just postage. So it's like 11 bucks, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know exactly, but grab a copy of the book. And also just see his marketing funnel. Learn from that at the same time. So you get two wins out of heading over there and checking out. All the links to that are on uh, preneurmarketing.com where you can check out all the episodes, all the past episodes, all our show notes or our links. You can leave comments. You can leave questions. You can play and interact with us at preneurmarketing.com. Yeah, I have to say, I actually did do the uh, the penny plus shipping offer. That's how I got my copy of the book. Um, and as Pete says, you know, we always say learn from other people, observe, see what you can learn. Perry was quite open in the conversation, actually, about saying that if you do this, if you do take his penny offer, you will see him make offers to see what you react to so that he can put you in the 80 or the 20. So it's an excellent thing to to learn from. So definitely go and do that. And yeah, do pop over to preneurmarketing.com um, and leave us a comment. Look for the show notes for this show or any of the past shows if you are a new listener. All past shows are available there to play live or da- to download. Um, we're on pretty much most of the major platforms to listen to. And therefore, if you're listening to us, 
either on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting listening service that you've got, do drop us a comment. Do let us know what you think about these conversations. Um, let us know if there's somebody you think we should be talking to that you really like to hear Pete do that uh, excellent conversational style that he has. Because um, we love to get that feedback and we love to make this show more and more relevant for you. Awesome, gang. All right, well, we will see you in the next episode, episode 152 of Preneurcast shortly. been enjoying another fine episode of Prunercast with Pete Williams and Dom Gocher. Make sure to hang out with the boys online at www.prunermarketing.com or drop them a line via Prunercast at prunergroup.com.